Right, and then we didn't tell you, Denise, um, one of the things that we do is uh, we, we sing our, our theme music beforehand that, that's really, um, yeah, it's true. It's always it's entertaining. True. It just kind of comes because, in like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's how it goes, Denise. And then at this point, it continues on. Yeah. As long as I don't have to sing the theme music, I'm good. There you go. Assistant Head of School for Innovation Learning here in All Saints Fiscal in Tyler, Texas, and I'm with Mike Cobb. Hello, everyone. It's good to have a really awesome guest with us this year. So um, I'm going to let her introduce herself in just a minute, but I wanted to share that um, we really got to know each other in a really interesting way this past year when we were doing our uh, ASEA Sandbox, and we couldn't get together actually fiscally this year, so we have created what I think to be maybe one of the first virtual reality conferences where we actually had avatars and we were actually meeting each other, talking and having this conference in a virtual setting. And so that's actually how I got to know Denise uh, through that setting. So it's kind of cool to be talking to you live and we don't have avatars today, but I'm so thrilled to have Denise here because through that process though, in this really um, unusual setting, um, she was just this really free thinker, somebody who's challenging ideas, but also casting huge visions that inspired me and the rest of our sandboxers. And so she is an esteemed member of what we call our Sandflee uh, group as part of the sandbox. And so welcome, Denise, to the sandbox chat. Thank you for having me. I'm humbled to be here. I um, was thrilled when you invited me and a little tickled that I am official Sandflee. Uh, I, I don't know how to feel about that <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't know being a sand flea was on my bucket list, but here I am. Um, I can, will you give us your uh, official title? Yes, I'm the chief information officer for Trinity Preparatory School, a 6th through 12th grade school in Winter Park, Florida, which is a suburb of Orlando. And I'm also the board chair elect for the Association of Technology Leaders in Independent Schools. Sick. Yay. Very cool. So, Denise, you know, as, as we always talk about in the sandbox, you know, the idea is that we just get together and it's the in-between times of conferences. It's those great conversations that you have that are just thoughtful and interesting and not really planned. So, as always, we want to kick this off just by asking you, as you think about right now, we're, we're in the middle of summer, you know, it's, it's we're, we're getting towards that beginning of school, and we're starting to feel some of that, but we're having some, um, hopefully, relaxation from the beginning of summer. Uh, what, what's, what's really, you know, kind of rattling around in your head? What are you passionate about lately? Uh, lately, I'm passionate about human connectedness, mm. being connected, relationship building in person. Um, the pandemic school year was complicated um, and positive in many ways, but the idea of reconnecting with my colleagues, friends, and family in person and around the table is really, really exciting to me, and that is what I'm passionate about, and I've been doing a lot of thinking about how we can remain agile and innovative now that we are back in person. 
And that is what I'm passionate about is how do we stay agile? How do we stay innovative and not go back to the way that it was pre-pandemic so that we can continue to um, evolve? That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are going through the same thing. You know, we, we really asked the question here at All Saints about, you know, what have we learned and, and what do we learned or what are things that we did that we think we should continue to do, but what are things that we couldn't do that we should double down on, right? And so that's something I'm very interested in ourselves. And that, the big part of that are the relationships. I mean, I think the key part of the, a successful education journey are relationships. When people talk about meaningful parts of their learning, they don't usually talk about a lesson or they don't talk about even an event. They talk about a person, right? They talk about what that person, that relationship meant to them. So I think that's really interesting. So I'd love to know what are some things that you are going to do this year, if you will, double down on to really leverage those relationships and to do something that you think will be more meaningful post-pandemic? You know, I myself, as um, a member of the executive team at the school and as part of the Atlas board, I'm trying to engage our school thought leaders in conversations that are about how do we remove the friction that technology can create and does create sometimes so that we can build those human relationships, which is why parents um, and educators show up to this environment. Uh, they pay for relationships in an outstanding setting. How does the technology support that? And how do I, as a technology leader and an influencer, remove friction? How can I support those roles in a way that the, the technology is actually powering the relationship and not distracting it? So that's a lot of the conversations that I'm trying to have with our academic leadership team and um, engaging them in some thinking about how we might do that as, as a team. So I'm interested as you talk about that idea of friction um, and Matt Scully, when we talked to him a couple of months ago, talked about this idea of exit velocity, right? Mm -hmm. Like how, how do we launch ourselves into this next phase? What, what are, as you're talking to your leaders and leaders across the country, what are some of those friction points that are coming out that, that we need to overcome? Are there anything, any commonalities that you're finding uh, through that, that are these friction points? You know, I think from my perspective and what I have been hearing in, um, in what I'm reading and some of the meetings that I've been in is we were so agile last school year with what we called high flex instruction, where faculty were teaching um, synchronously to students online and in person, which was what we had to do in an emergency, but um, really challenged our faculty to keep those relationships because they were trying to connect with individuals on both levels. Mm -hmm. um, trying to figure out what was amazing about that <laughs> and to extract that without being the norm. So we want to come back, but we don't want to be so high flex. We want to be intentional about where remote instruction fits in and acknowledge that remote instruction works best when it's planned and when the individuals receiving the instruction and providing the instructions have a level playing field. 
And I think that that's a real challenge. I, I agree. You know, it, it, it makes me think, though, in some ways that this is an amplified situation we've always dealt with. You know, I think that we for years talked about how we communicate with each other, with parents and students, that there are times where technology is a great tool for that and times when it's not. It, it's really some of the same things. It's just at a newer level, you know, that we, we really need to think through. There are moments where we can communicate ideas through technology that man, it makes it so much more efficient and fast and great. Um, and there are moments where you just absolutely don't want to try that Read technology is going to get confused or be misrepresented. And I think it's really important for us to think even through the classroom. Um, and, and I think, you know, we've thought about some things here where we did some things last year where we had to uh, share synchronously our chapel service to classrooms. You couldn't have everybody come together. What's really interesting through that moment, we decided that we're going to have a daily devotional time in the morning that's still going to use that format because there were some really good parts of it. But yet we're still going to have chapel come back the way we used to have it, right? So it's not a, it doesn't always have to be an either or, it can be a yes and. And uh, that's something that I'm excited about that we learned through this. Yeah, I mean, I think about in that chapel example, we learned that there's things that we used to hold as whole school things that were great for community and building and all those types of things. But then there are other things that we held whole community for ease. And then we had to break that down into kind of virtual whole community, but small group, right? If I think about um, worship, right? You have small group worship. We found value in finding a way to do that small group worship. And, and I think about um, pieces of professional development, right? Where sometimes we go whole group, where could that not be more effective in small group uh, portions? And, and so I, I think that they're really evaluating, is this um, a community building whole group or is this an ease of use whole group? And then how do we find that, build those relationships yet get the best value, the best bang for the buck, so to say, out of that time? Well, I, I like what you said, Denise, about maybe a litmus test is, is this deepening relationships or weakening relationships, right? And, and if you say, well, it, it's doing neither, then, then, then maybe the outcome is fine. But if it's weakening for sure, we really ought to make sure we have to do it. And if it's deeping relationship, I don't care how you're doing it, then it's doing what we want. So yeah. it's really interesting. Yeah. I, and I want to add, and because we're talking about that, I hear this intentionality about why we're doing what we're doing mm -hmm. that we were forced to consider in the pandemic response yeah. and not letting that stop. Yeah. How can we be really intentional about why is it that we do it this way, just like we were in the pandemic? We only kept those things that had to stay the way they were or they wouldn't function. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's an important intentionality is another word that I could say is really important to me, that human connectedness, that intentionality. And, you know, when we decide to bring people together in person, in a large setting, what's the purpose? Is it because we're we're building relationships there? Well, does bringing 800 people together in a in an auditorium build relationships? What is it that we're trying to achieve? And then let's change that or augment it so that we're accomplishing the goal of the reason we're meeting, um, which is something that we hadn't really thought about before the pandemic. We were just doing what we've always done. Hey, absolutely. Well, and, and, you know, part of the power of us going through this experience, I have used the analogy many times that we've stretched and through stretching, we've, we've built new muscles and we have new abilities and 
we now can say to people, we can't think outside the box. You know, I mean, we've always been challenged. You know, I think you've been doing that for years. I think Jason and I have been doing that. But it really, people have a different resiliency now, too, to say that we don't have to think about it the way we always have. So I think that's really, that's a really powerful statement. Yeah. I'm curious, as, as you guys have started to have these human connection conversations and intentionality, have, have you guys thought any bit, any more than you had previously to a couple specific things in school. So to me, I think about the first time that teachers come back on campus for the new school year, right? If you, if you guys had any conversations about that or how are we having conversations with teachers on what's the first day of school gonna look like to build community in that classroom? Uh, you know, is any of that specifically come up? I love that question. Um, so, um, as we wrapped up the school year, we started to really talk about two solid years of intentional professional development planning, where we were going to be clear with our faculty because last year was so exhausting. We wanted them to be able to trust that we were going to give them the lay of the land and, and show them this is what we're looking to do in the next two years in terms of professional development, a framework, and stick with it. We're going, this is, this is where the time's going to fit. This is what we're going to be focused on. And we've, um, as an administrative team, committed to sticking with three, th three areas of focus, not more than three. And if it's going to go outside of those three areas, we really need to justify the why <coughs> and, and give the rationale for why. And in respect to the faculty coming back, we've um, engaged in improvisationalist to come on campus nice. for um, uh, a two and a half hour community team building afternoon Great. where we're just going to build community again in person and with someone who's going to facilitate that and everyone in the organization is going to participate and it's not going to be led by the administration and it's going to be fun and engaging and tied to building community and relationships. And that time is gonna be for human connectedness. And I think that that is going to be a remarkable start that will start conversations about what do we want the first week of school to feel like for our students? And we're gonna do that in collaboration with our faculty. That's, nice. That's really cool. You know, um, as we were talking about this, um, Jason knows this is one of my favorite books, but I, I have to throw out one of my favorite reads. It's a book by uh, the author is Charles Bogle, and he wrote the book Art of Community. And uh, the book actually starts off with him talking about how he was first called in to help the company Twitch as they were really had this unbelievable rapid launch that you know started as just a few gamers and all of a sudden became this worldwide community. But they found out that even though people were connecting online, they still, they didn't feel there was a community even through Twitch, which now with Charles's help, they have done a lot to actually create communities where people actually do meet together. And it, it's just interesting to me to think about how we can build community in so many ways, but still that human interaction is always key to it, right? It's always gonna be universal. And, and I would recommend anybody who's really like loving this conversation right now on community, check out this book. It's a quick read and it's an interesting take, but but I, I love this thought that, that that is still a core part of, of how we connect. And uh, what, what it made me think of is back at our old school, Oak Ridge, we had 
three-day weekend, which is an improvisational group, yeah. come out and do our pre-planning, one of our pre-planning kickoffs. And I believe it was at the year that we launched Learn 21, where we were talking yes. about yes. Semper Gumby and being flexible in a yes and culture. That's right. And, and their improv was all about yes and, right? I mean, that's what improv is, is you, you can't take, you take whatever the other person says, and yes, and I add to it. And it was just this, it was a funny introduction, but it, it brought home that idea that, that this yes and culture is building and amplifying the person that you're with. It also connects that one of the things that I love about the yes and we use it a lot around here. I think it's key to what, how we are innovative and agile. But this idea that yes and is a connection, right? That yes. If I say yeah, but I just I just disconnected, right? I'm like whatever you said does not have necessarily a connection to what I say. But the minute I say yes and I'm now, we are connected. I'm adding to what your idea is. And so I think that's really, really cool. I can't wait to hear um, after the fact what, yeah, what this result is and how the improv team interacts and what that looks like. I can't wait. I'm hopeful that I'll be able to um, scream from the rooftops that it was amazing and that all schools should consider doing something like this. I think we're kind of outside the box with this because it's atypical, but we're really excited about uh, doing it. And I want to add to that book suggestion that you had, yes. um, a book that I am reading, and it resulted in me listening to a podcast um, episode, because I'm really into podcasts and constantly learning that way, um, which is interesting, because here I am on your podcast. Um, uh, Priya Parker is the author of a book called The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. And that book really dives into why gathering matters and what it means to people. And she is doing a lot of work in this space because there's a lot of anxiety around coming back together um, post-pandemic. And she's doing a lot of deep thinking about this and has written a book. And I think the book is an excellent resource for us to consider what it means to people to come back together and how that is viewed by different people with different personalities. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to check that out, Denise. Thank you for that recommendation. Uh, Jason will roll his eyes. You won't be able to, you might be able to hear it on the podcast, but I, I'm a historian. And one of the things, Denise, that I've been fascinated about is that, you know, the Roaring Twenties is usually given credit for being the Roaring Twenties, this party period in our history because of the end of prohibition. But the really most historians argue that it really it's, it's because of the Spanish flu that for really two years from 1918 till the night 19, uh, 1919, uh, they were they were in a worse pandemic than we just experienced, more deadly for many reasons, and that people were so ready to gather again, and that parties became something that you just didn't miss, and that everyone wanted to entertain, that this coming together was so important. And so I think it's fascinating that not only do these mirror themselves in some ways as far as what's happening in our world, but also even the, the time period itself, right? That in the next coming years, this could be another roaring 20s where people are gathering together, but they're going to want to do it in a way that makes sense. It's going to have to be meaningful. It's not going to be stupid time, right? We're just here because we're here. Yes. I think we're going to have to be intentional, using your word again, about why are we here? What's the reason behind it? I think that's really cool. And I do think that as we've gone through this, there was a lot of um, discussions about how extroverts hated the you know the lockdowns, how introverts loved it. Um, one of our summer reading books, uh, I'll toss in my book here uh, to join the club, um, was Quiet, 
which is uh, how introverts, um, I can't remember the subtitle, but it's about uh, the benefits of introverts in the world. Um, but it really did, going back to what you said, Denise, it talked about the personality differences, that, that there are obviously a spectrum of this, but that everybody's going to react differently on how they come back into this and how they get joy out of that and what fuels them from this. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we looked at here uh, starting this year with our leadership group is the uh, anagram and um, how those, uh, you know, those factors, your number affects how in good times I go towards this person and bad times I go towards this person. Uh, we did strength finders previously, you know, probably a decade ago, and we got similar things. But I think that this, this idea of team of teams, how do I become self-aware enough to understand who I am as a person, but also where I gain energy and who I gain energy from, depending on whether I'm happy or sad, and how do I find that, that right person to go to and that right team to join and how do I really make a group, a gathering mm -hmm. of the right people so it is very intentional? So that is just some of the stuff that I was thinking yeah. about you guys were talking about. I love that. Um, we are, as an administration, taking a deep dive into all of the meetings that we're in and um, understanding when we're in meetings with the same people over and over again so that we can remix um, our meeting structure so that our meetings are more purposeful and so that our meetings create action in areas that need the most attention instead of just going through this agenda because we've always had this agenda. So I'm really excited about the changes that have made time more valuable to us, right? Yeah. So now I think that there's this awareness that and a reminder that time is is definite like we can't make more of it so how do we make that time more useful that's great how, yeah. you know so i i'm really excited about that and i want to um, do a shout out to my friend jason ramsden he uh, is the yeah. former uh technology director at um ravenscroft and he has started this amazing um podcast and on his podcast he talked about the notion of go slow to go fast. <laughs> and I love that. It was, and I had a meeting with my team this week where I said, you know what? We've been hamsters on a wheel for weeks because it's the summer and in a tech office in the summer, it's, you know, tax season. So um, uh, I said, why don't we have a meeting where we go slow so that we can go fast again? And that's exactly what we did. We had to slow down. We had to reflect on what we'd accomplished so that we could focus on what we really needed to do and stop just checking the checking the, the to-do list. Because, you know, I love checking off the to-do list, but do I need to do that today? Or can I do that in four weeks? So um, I, I love that idea of let's go slow so that we can go fast. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. You know, when you were talking about your meetings, that is obviously something that we take a lot of, um, I think, time and, and, and perfecting through our agile process. And I just, I just want to give a shout out to anyone that, that feels like their structure is not productive. And, you know, what we were really striving to do is to make sure that anyone can create our scrum teams. And we use this agile process, but also if you felt like you weren't supposed to be in that meeting or it was a waste of your time, it's okay to say that. 
and call it out. The, the, the scrum team or the meeting was not either uh, structured well or you just weren't a part of the team, right? And, and then when we think about our agile processes, I feel like our team feels agency that they can create change and be part of change, but also that they're not wasting lots of time. I mean, uh, this room right here that we're in right now is, is where we do our scrumming and where we do our agile process. But we have people that are scrumming for all types of reasons. I mean, our admissions director might decide that she sees something that's interesting in lower school. She doesn't have to be the lower school director to create that team. Um, but that doesn't mean that then everybody has to be on that team, right? So I just think it's interesting that I hope that many schools are thinking the way that our schools are, that we need to break out of some of these traditional, you know, the admin team, right? Like, what does that mean? We all have roles, but that shouldn't mean we're the only ones making decisions or are discussing things. Anyone should be able to be in it that has a, a voice in it. I think the other thing that Agile's done for me is, is I don't, I cannot think of a, a meeting in the last three, four years that I sat in where it's a um, justify your job meeting, which is what I call the old round table, right? Okay, we're going to go around. Everybody's going to give us an update. Well, I'm, really, was, I'm really busy, Jason. Yeah, I'm really busy. Really busy. Yeah, it's right was not here. I got to make yeah. sure that I'm justifying my job by telling you all the things that we're doing, even though it really didn't matter to other people. And really thinking about uh, either RACI or RC, depending on how you talk about it from Harvest Business School, you know, who's responsible for this? You know, who do I have to inform? Who do I have to consult, right? That there are different levels. I may need to tell you, just inform you about this, but I don't need to give you all the details unless you're part of my core team in this particular venture. And I think that that, that agile scrum idea of how do we stay accountable but still not justify our job as a meeting it's been so refreshing and, to me and i just want to add one layer on that that i think has been an outlook of that for us is that you know we encourage learning walks around campus and you know the thing the reason why most administrators don't do learning walks is because they don't have time but if you can reduce the times you're in meetings and not everyone's in there all day long then you can take learning walks and then i don't need jason to tell me he's busy or what he's been doing because i actually walked through and saw what he's been doing right i think the more we can get out and we talk about faces and spaces. That's powerful, right? That goes back to, look at me trying to do a segue, back to relationships, right? When I can be out and have that, then I'm with people. And the other thing I I love love about that. how we define learning walks is it's a catch somebody doing good. Yeah. You, you're not, on a learning walk, you're not allowed to critique anything during that time. You can later come back to them, but on your learning walk, it's catch people doing good because once again, drawing back to your idea, how do we build those relationships and build that um, that happy feeling around campus? Mm -hmm. I love all, I love those ideas. I am a huge fan of the agile framework. I came to uh, independent edu education from a corporate technology setting. Awesome. Um, my my background is in corporate technology, so I feel really at home in an agile framework setting. I have been committed to those project management strategies and standards from day one, which makes me a fish out of water, frankly, in academia. But I do believe that individuals, going back to what you said about, you know, different personality types, if you don't have different personality types in the room where you might have some introverts, some extroverts, some natural project managers, some people who are more philosophical, mm -hmm. you don't really get a dynamic um, interaction sure. because it's just happening all one way. So I think that valuing individuals yeah. with their intrinsic strengths um, is incredibly important and stop looking at our employees or our faculty as those titles, but instead 
what does that person bring that offers strengths and insights to the organization? And they don't have to align perfectly with the role that it says on their contract. Absolutely. I, I, I love that. And I, I mean, I, I hope that we live that and look for people to look outside of those roles. And those yeah. Roles. And how do you empower them to step outside their role and say, wait, I see an opportunity. How can we create that and foster that transparency, that openness? Mm-hmm. I am really, really feeling like that is what we need to be promoting in schools. Right. And I, I, I make it part of the, you know, make it part of my impact is I, you know, through this 21 year career, um, have the ability to sit at the table and have conversations to, to say, hey, we're the same group. When are we going to invite other people to help us make this decision. We, there's other people outside this room who know more about this topic. Let's, let's invite them. That's right. Um, so I love the, the notion of, of agile because it does put people working in their areas of strength and focus and removes all of the friction of having to listen to what everybody else is doing. That's right. Well, that's a quick plug. So we are big fans of Scrum, the, the book that's entitled uh, doing twice the work in half the time. And if you're listening to this podcast and you want to be involved with Scrum Inc., if you call them, uh, they actually have a discount for our ASES podcast listeners. So you can get a 10% discount on getting certified or being trained for being a Scrum master or learning more. So that's my quick plug. So Jason, uh, I'll let you bring us to the close as we talk about moonshots. Yeah, so I, I just enjoyed having this conversation and this human connection. Uh, to pull back in of of what we're talking about and these elements and it's such a great reminder um but as we go forward we like to ask kind of a closing question to our our guests is you know we've talked about a lot of great things and a lot of great things that are going on but as you think denise about kind of your moonshot that i i wish i had uh for education um in the coming years what what is that um, and and uh, I think Tim Fish actually did it in a tweet. So uh, that, that, that was your concise level that he got down to. I think Matt, you know, he was only seven paragraphs. So he was pretty good for that. So uh, what is your moonshot, Denise? My moonshot for education is that we're going to engage one another with um, professionalism, trust, and respect at a deeply human level in every single thing that we do. Mm. That to me is the goal. Every time I step into my office, into the school, into a boardroom, is to engage the person across from me professionally with respect and trust that they're doing what they're doing because they have the best intentions. That's powerful, I love it. Well, I love that moonshot. That is uh, definitely one worthy of, of of striving for. Well, Denise, um, we are so appreciative of you um, for this time uh, to be with us today on the ASES Sandbox Chat, but also for your inspiration, your friendship. We are grateful for that, and we look forward to getting together sometime very soon. Yeah, I get to see Denise in a couple of weeks. So I know. So I'm I know. I'm so excited to see you, you in know, person. Look for Atlas real quick, guys, and tell them All what's right. going on. Come on, Absolutely. coming board, President. Yeah, um, Atlas is the resource for all leaders in schools because it 
solves a lot of your technology headaches and supplements your team in meaningful ways that leverage more than 200 schools' knowledge bases. Mm -hmm. So if you want to leverage the knowledge base of more than 200 schools in the nation, um, Atlas is, the, is where it's at. I mean, if you have a small tech department, you can't not have an Atlas membership because the rest of your team is on Atlas. <laughs> so, I mean, minimally, check it out. Uh, you can go to the website. I don't have it here in front of me. I'm failing as a board chair already. Uh, but you can find it. It's the Association of Technology Leaders and in Independent Schools. And um, I am biased, but it's a worthy resource. And we're hopeful that Atlas will be a sandbox uh, podcast sponsor soon. So I'll talk, <laughs> I'm going to talk to the new president of the podcast sometime soon. So, well, Denise, thank you again so much. We are so appreciative of you and can't wait to, to see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, that will be the end of our podcast there. There'll be some wild music that will play out. And that will